Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hey everyone, so glad you're back with us. I'm Joel Grote and you're on the Unveiling Grace podcast. And I'm Lynn Wilder, I guess that's my cue. (laughs) Welcome back, Joel. (laughs) Thank you, sorry about mixing things up a little bit. It's like, get away from the norm, don't know what's going on. (laughs) I love that about you. I am this linear, um, like, you know, I got to have my list, which is why I did really well in Mormonism, right? It just fit my personality. And uh, you are definitely the fun one here. And I appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that's a nice way of putting it. The scattered, crazy, fun one. Okay. Um, well, we're in the middle of a series. Yes. And we've been um, going through the book that Mike and I wrote a few years ago called Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism. Now, these aren't things that hit against Mormonism. These are things uh, that I discovered in the Bible were very different from what Mormonism was teaching. And so I came to a point where I had to make a decision. Did I believe what this God of the Bible was teaching? Or did I believe what these living prophets had been teaching in Mormonism? And I was really surprised when I read the Bible that it had something that uh, we statisticians in research call internal consistency. This Bible was written over 1,500 years by 40 authors, 66 books, and it repeats over and over and over what the gospel is. And the gospel of Jesus Christ does not include temple works. And we're going to explain to people what kind of what the Old Testament was temple was for, and then how Mormon temples are different today. Yeah. And um, and just so people know, if you're just joining this podcast, this episode, your way to series. Yeah, this is um, episode three of these seven reasons why Mike and Lynn Wilder um, left Mormonism. So these are their reasons. This is all these are available in a booklet that they've written called Seven Reasons Why We Left Mormonism. But Lynn and I decided that this would be really good material to cover on the podcast. So we're jumping in to reason number five today. We'll see if we get to six and seven at some point. Um, But yeah, so for reasons one through four, go back and listen to the first two previous podcasts and you can get all caught up. But if you're listening now, just stay with us. And if you need to go do catch up later, you can go ahead and do that. So what is number five, Lynn? Number five is temple works are required to gain eternal life. You know, Joel, Mike and I have been to Israel three times now, and we have a sense of what the Old Testament was like, uh, what Old Testament temples. First, there was a tabernacle and there was a temple, but there was never more than one at a time. And it was in Jerusalem. Right. And yet uh, Mormons currently have 170 temples, something like 200 planned around the world. So when did God change his mind about what the temple was, what went on in the temple, and what the temple was for. So that's what we're 
going to talk about today. One of the things that blew me away after I gave my life to the Jesus of the Bible and I took the Bible seriously, I went back and reread the Old Testament. I'd actually taught the Old Testament in Mormon seminary, but now I'm looking at it with fresh eyes. And one of the things I realized, it's not all about laws and ordinances. It's all about Jesus. So even if there are (laughs) ordinances or sacrifices or rules and regulations in the Old Testament, they all had to do with pointing forward to a savior that would come. So, So the whole purpose of the old law, the Ten Commandments and all the laws the Jewish folks added were to show a human being that they were wretched sinners. They could not live the law. They could not live it perfectly. No human could do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is, and we've talked about this before, the difference between the two covenants where you have Jesus coming, not just to bring salvation, not just to save people, but to institute a whole new covenant, a whole new design paradigm for relationship with God that's now based on his finished work on our behalf that we accept that opens the door to this intimate relationship with Jesus through his grace. And it's part of the reason why the whole temple thing in the new Testament and in the paradigm of the new Testament gospel, the temple now becomes obsolete because Jesus is our temple and anything the temple accomplished, Jesus is now accomplished on our behalf. But they'll say Jesus himself went to the temple and he did, but he wasn't a Levite. So he didn't work in the temple, right? He right. just went to the outer grounds of the temple. Only the only the folks with Levite blood who were priests were allowed to go into a certain part of the temple. And right. then only the high priest, and there was only one at any point in time in the Jewish temple, could go into the Holy of Holies. Mormonism is very different. What goes on in current Mormon temples is very different than what went on in the Old Testament temple. And yet I can tell you when I was Mormon and you would have asked me if my Mormon temple was the same as the Old Testament temple, I would have said it was. that It was instituted in Adam's time and it was down through the ages. That's what I believed. And yet that's not true. Right. And that's something that is still taught. I've been to probably anywhere between 12 and 15 different Mormon temple open houses around the world. Obviously, I've never been a member, so I've never been through any of the Mormon temple ceremonies, but I have been to numerous temple open houses and I've taken the tour multiple times and had the guide who was ever giving us the tour, whether they were a missionary or representative, say what is happening in our temples is the same. Um, Our temples are simply a continuation of the Old Testament temple. And it always kind of astounded me because you're right. What happened in the Old Testament temple and what actually happens in an LDS temple are very different. So did you want to like run through what are the ordinances of the LDS temple? Obviously, we're not going to go into detail and explain it. Um, If people want to do that, they can look online. But our point here isn't to um, necessarily make LDS people uncomfortable who hold these um, as sacred ordinances as, and rights, as you and Mike did. But they, even the LDS leaders are pretty open about what those ordinances are. Did you well, want to run down the list of them? 
the one last thing I want to say about the Old Testament temple is that morning and evening sacrifices were made in the temple. And that sacrifice, it says in the Bible that there has to be blood and death in order for new life to begin. Yes. And so that was a symbol of taking our sin having it die because of blood <laughs> and yes. then new life coming. So when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was sacrificed for all of our sins, kind of like the lamb blood right. was mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. And once he died on the cross, the, the Holy of Holies veil in the temple was rent and man had direct access to God. He no longer needed a prophet in between. Right. Or a priest. Or right. There was, there's now one mediator between man and God. And that is the man Christ Jesus. And all of the ordinances that happened in the old Testament temple were fulfilled in Jesus. So, so once Jesus came, there was no more need for them anymore. So once I got saved, I saw Mormonism as something that kind of dragged me back into the old covenant under the old law, but it wasn't yes. the same old law from the new Testament. It was kind of a skewed version of it. Yes. And so Temple works to Mormons are required in order to gain eternal life. Let's explain that a little bit to the audience. In Mormonism, you have three levels of heaven. Right. Yes. And in order to get to the top level of heaven, the celestial kingdom, you need to be worthy to go into a Mormon temple. And then you need to do your temple ordinances for you. And then the next time you go, you do the ordinances for someone who's dead and then someone else who's dead and then someone else who's dead. Um, each time you go back to the temple, that is not what happened in the old Testament. In fact, um, the old Testament says we're not to touch necromancy, that God is not the, the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Right. And, um, nope, not sure I was going to go. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd had a thought. Oh, I was, well, I was going to say, um, and John the Baptist clearly when he encounters Jesus and Jesus comes to him for his baptism says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so all of the sin of the world has gone on Jesus, which is why there are no need for other sacrifices or for animal sacrifices. And it's why Jesus says, as he dies, it is finished. He has totally fulfilled the Old Testament law. He has totally fulfilled the Old Covenant. It's now done. So He nailed it to the cross, it says, right? Yes. He fulfilled it. Yes. All things are fulfilled in Jesus. The entire Old Testament, New Testament Bible from one end to the other is all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our works. It is about Jesus. And so these three heavens are interesting because in order to get to the highest one in Mormonism, you have to go to the temple. Jesus actually resides in the middle kingdom in yes. Mormonism. 
Yeah. So Christians love Jesus. I just came from a church service. It was all about Jesus. We sang about Jesus. We talked about Jesus. We thanked Jesus for what he did. And yet I was thinking during the service, you know, as a Mormon, I would not have wanted to be in Jesus's kingdom, right? I was trying to earn <laughs> yes, my Lord. way to heavenly father's kingdom, which is the top kingdom. So you have three separate gods in Mormonism, three separate kingdoms. Yes. So heavenly father resides in the celestial kingdom at the top. And then the terrestrial kingdom in the middle is for Jesus. And the one at the bottom is for uh, T-Leshal, which is for the Holy Ghost. Right. And different levels of people go to each level of kingdom, depending on their level of worthiness, whatever worthiness they happen to acquire in this current life, which is so as why, a Mormon, yeah, yeah. So as a Mormon, I was waiting for the white throne judgment that I might stand before God and be judged for my works, so that He might assign me to one of those three heavens according to what I had done, not what He had done. Be and they actually call um, the highest level eternal life or exaltation. So that's the only one that's called eternal life or exaltation. So if you want eternal life, Mormonism, you're going to have to earn it through a temple recommend and temple works. The Bible is very clear that eternal life is not something you can earn. It's a free gift. So let's, uh, I think you had a quote for us. Uh, well, yeah, just about how important these ordinances are, um, because you may have, and as always, we're trying to help kind of three categories of people. We've got um, LDS people who maybe be are in transition, starting to have some questions. And so we want to make sure they understand kind of what the differences are what, and what the options are within Christianity, what those beliefs truly are. And we have former LDS people, people who have been in and have left, have transitioned out for whatever reason. And they're kind of looking to make sense of everything. And then we have Christians who care deeply, who have LDS family members or friends or co-workers, and they want to understand the LDS system so they can better relate to other LDS friends, neighbors, whatever. And so for those people, they sometimes say, well, is it really that important? I mean, aren't just the temple ordinances something extra that they do for the really faithful? And so this quote comes from, um, oh, it's not LDS.org anymore. Um it's the official church jesuschrist.org yes it's the official church website um and so but this is um i just actually pulled this today i was doing some research to get ready for the podcast and so um under this heading and it's talking about the importance of temple works under this heading um you have you have this it's ordinances and covenants are essential for exaltation so exaltation there's that word that means eternal life in the presence of heavenly father highest level mm. and then under that heading they have this President Howard Hunter, who is the prophet and president of the LDS Church from 1907 to 1995, summarized the crucial nature of temple ordinances and covenants. And this is what he said. So this is a quote they have from him. All of these priesthood temple ordinances are essential for the salvation and exaltation of our Father in Heaven's children. All of our efforts in proclaiming the gospel perfecting the saints and redeeming the dead lead to the holy temple. This is because the temple ordinances are absolutely crucial. We cannot return to God's presence without them. And that is from the um, 
Ensign from March 2004, the article was a temple motivated people. Um, but so there, there's a president, prophet of Mormon church saying, no, these are not negotiable. These are essential. These are absolutely crucial. So didn't you just tell me that you talked to a Mormon about the thief on the cross, right? Yeah. So if these are essential in order to earn eternal life, but Jesus turned to the thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. How do Mormons explain that that man who hasn't had all these ordinances done for him would be able to be with Jesus? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've probably heard half a dozen different explanations, because if there's anything we've discovered about the LDS faith, people are kind of allowed to come up with whatever, whatever reason makes them feel good or explain it. So I've been told one, well, Jesus wasn't talking about eternal life, exaltation, in the presence of Heavenly Father. He was just talking about paradise, this kind of holding area, and that the thief would, you know, if someone did ordinance for him and he was judged and he accepted them, then he could go there. Um, other people have said that, well, um, we don't know what works might have been done for the thief or what works were going to be done for him. And Jesus would know that. And so Jesus is maybe anticipating that. Um, but at the end of the day, what you have to understand is from a biblical perspective, Jesus, Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, are their one God. Um they exist all together in the same realm and there aren't any like levels uh in heaven there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that's where the presence of god is and that's where everyone who's put their faith in christ is going to be in the presence and so from a biblical standpoint yes the thief at his dying moment of faith in christ gets everything he needs to live eternally with jesus and this is a good thing, Joel, about Christian faith. This is a good thing <laughs> yes. that you can enter eternal life in a moment at the point of faith. The Bible says that over and over and over. Eternal life is not something you can earn. In fact, the Bible says over and over and over, you cannot earn it. You don't merit it by your works. Your works have nothing to do with it, only your faith. You know that it says in the Doctrine and Covenants 132 that Abraham had concubines and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Yes. And that the is Bible. our very next. <laughs> it is. We need to talk about that, but we probably should go to the, or the ordinances from the beginning. Right. We should do that. And that'll about take us to the end of this episode. So what we'll do is we'll finish up this number five. Um, run through these ordinances. And then, yeah, in our next episode, we can get into this whole idea of Abraham being justified through polygamy and what a deviation that is from um, the scriptural witness um, and what we have. So and we are just about to interview someone upcoming in the next few weeks that is out of Warren Jeff's group. Um, fascinating wow. okay. story. Cannot wait um, to do that. But let's go over some of these temple ordinances that the Mormon church says are required in order to, to earn eternal life. The first is baptism by immersion. Yep. So if you don't do that in this life for yourself, someone else can go to a Mormon temple and be baptized in your name. 
Then, of course, you have to lay on hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that has to be done by someone in priesthood authority in the Mormon church. Yes. Then you are confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> Notice how in the Bible you're justified to the point of faith in Christ. These are all things that have to happen. And then still you don't know whether you have eternal life. Right. The next one is that if you're a male, you need to receive the priesthood. First, you're going to receive what Mormons call the Aaronic priesthood and then the Melchizedek priesthood. Ooh, the book of Hebrews says only one has a Melchizedek priesthood. We only have one high priest since Jesus died on the cross. He became the one high priest forever. Yes. Um, Mormons have thousands of high priests. That is blasphemy. Um, I realized once I read the Bible, the next set of ordinances are washings and anointings. Ooh, you mean you literally take clothes off and yeah. Um, when Mike and I went through the washings and anointings, yes, you're completely naked under kind of like a white gaucho thing. And folks were touching different parts of my body and blessing them first with water and then with oil. And when that was done, then someone, a woman placed the garment of the holy priesthood on my body. Um, then I received a new name in the temple. Um, I'd love to tell you my new name, but Mormons would be quite offended with that. You're not supposed to speak it outside of the temple. Then you go through an almost two-hour learning process called the endowment, and it has signs, tokens, and covenants, special handshakes, certain ways to... Um, much of it comes from masonry, so Mormonism isn't so different that way. Joseph Smith was a 33rd degree mason. And here's the one you were referring to, Joel, um, ceilings in marriage. So the next ordinance that is required in the temple in order for you to go to the highest level of the celestial kingdom is that you need a worthy spouse and you need to be sealed together within a Mormon temple within a ceiling room and they believe that marriage is for this life and for the next. Okay. So what you're saying is then single people, at least at the level of this life, if they've never been sealed to a faithful partner in an LDS temple, aren't on track to go as high as somebody who is married then. Is that correct? Is that a correct uh, understanding? I think it was Brigham Young who said, if you're single and over 30 in the church, you're a menace. Yes. Oh, okay. No, literally. <laughs> that is not, that is not where I was we'll expecting that quote that to go. Um, that's, but wow. Okay. Yeah. But that's here's powerful. what the Bible says. Matthew 12, 6, one greater than the temple is here. Jesus himself said that about himself, making it, clear that he fulfilled those temple covenants right he's here there's no more need for a temple and then in first corinthians it says believers are god's temple and his spirit yes. is within us no more need for a physical body temple Be and it says in acts that god does not live in temples made by human hands why new testament the old testament tells us he can't be contained in the temple right yes. he's in the heavens he's on the earth he's everywhere he's on the present and so thinking that he's in the celestial room 
of a Mormon temple because he has this physical body that contains him somewhere. That's a smaller God than the God of the Bible, who's all places at once. Yeah. And then there's one more ordinance, um, and you don't hear this one referred to a lot, but for LDS people who are familiar with it, it's a very important ordinance because if there's anything that comes close to guaranteeing exaltation, eternal life, it would be this. So the last ordinance in the, that's done in the highest level of a temple, very secret thing, the Mormon prophet would have to call someone in and wash their feet. So it's, uh, it's called the second anointing. And if a prophet does that to someone, supposedly there are only a, a few people around the world that the prophet has done this to. People were posting on Facebook that he had called Romney in before the election. And uh, what it does, it ensures two things. First, it makes sure that you will be saved. You will have eternal life. You don't have it now, but you're gonna have it for sure. And the second thing it does is assure that you will become a God. Okay. Wow. So that'd be very powerful. But again, this all points back to this whole system of works, system of rituals, ordinances that are necessary. As we said in the quote, they are crucial. They are essential. They are absolutely crucial, critical to a person's salvation, eternal life. And within the Bible, know what Jesus has done, accepting that as a gift of grace is all that we need. Well, that is a great place to end this episode, Lynn. And so I'm really curious now to go to the next one next time, because you said that Abraham was justified by his concubines. Um, that is such a foreign idea to anybody who's raised been raised in biblical faith. So let's explore that one next time and how that kind of all ties into even this temple and these um, and the salvation exaltation by works within the LDS system. Well, thank you, Joel. We will do that. Um, grace and peace to you. Until next time. So long, Lynn. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.